Welcome to Broker to Broker, brought to you by AIM, the Association of Independent Mortgage Experts. If you haven't listened yet, Broker to Broker dives into the nitty gritty of the mortgage business by interviewing independent brokers and loan originators just like me. Hope you enjoy the show. Attention brokers, step up to the plate and knock it out of the park at the largest annual gathering of independent mortgage professionals in the country, AIM's sixth annual Fuse National Conference. Katie Sweeney, Matt Ishbia, Renee Rodriguez, Dale Vermillion, and Todd Duncan round out an all-star lineup of mortgage masters. Network with thousands of MVP wholesale mortgage professionals and the industry's top brass lenders and vendors. Gear up your team and your business with electrifying keynote speakers, hands-on summit sessions, major mortgage news, and historic announcements. Get the lowest price of the season and save $200. Get your tickets at aimgroup.com backslash events that is aimgroup.com backslash events. Welcome back to another edition of the Broker to Broker podcast. My name is Mark Summers. I am a broker owner at Priority Mortgage Lending. I've uh, been in the business a little over 20 years, and I'm also the AIM president of membership. Today, extremely excited to talk to Elgin Perez today. He is the broker owner of Ace Lending Group. And Elgin, thanks for joining us today. I know we're all super busy, but appreciate your time. Absolutely, man. Thank you for having me on, Mark. No, no problem. All right. So we're going to hop right into this. Uh, I'm really excited about today's podcast. But one of the things I always love starting with is figuring out how in the hell people get into this crazy industry. I'm still the only, the closest thing I've had come to me that says I wanted to be a mortgage broker was their dad did it, their mom did it, someone in the family did it. So I, I got to hear your story. Well, no one in my family did it. That's for sure. <laughs> we can start out there. Uh, but prior to this, actually, I was in the auto industry. I uh, started, uh, say, slinging metal when I was 18 years old. And, uh, you know, I say company guy, you know, same company for like 10 plus years. But if, uh, I mean, the auto industry, if you guys think this is nuts. Uh, I sometimes still feel like this is a cakewalk compared to that and the hours in that, especially since you're uh, tied to a building, I say, right? You have to be at the dealership as well. That's where the metal sold. Uh, but after 10 years of that, I finally got done tired of uh, some of the corporate stuff, per se and decided to take some time off. And during that intermission of that time off, I decided to take six months to myself, had a previous coworker who was then in the mortgage industry reach out to me and found out she was like, she's like, I heard you're not working at the car industry anymore. I'm like, yep. She's like, what are you gonna do? I'm like, uh, I don't know, six months off. I'll figure it out later. <laughs> like, I can always go sell cars. She's like, well, if you wanna try out mortgages? And I was like, uh, I can do mortgages after six months. She's like, I'll leave a spot open for you. I'm like, you sure? She's like, yeah. I'm like, what do I need to do? She told me to take the test, everything. So I did, got licensed. And then October of 2016, uh, started doing it, right? Right on the, on the retail side. Uh, and okay, so you were you were retail. So yeah. the different, different animals. Retail, uh, you know, really only did it at two different places. That started there. That was uh, with Caliber Home Loans. And that's where I learned mortgages. But uh, prior to that, in that auto industry, again, it's sales, marketing, uh, I was a finance director, so talking to banks, underwriters, DTI, LTV, all that just came, quite frankly, second nature to an extent, just because it really translated from what I was doing before. Okay. So then how did you get into that broker world? Like, what, what was that step like? So the broker world. So after being at Caliber for a while and trying to figure out how to, uh, how to run a more efficient business, because I was honestly, again, just like anyone, I'm sure put in 70, 80 hours a week. And sure, great money, but it just didn't make, it didn't add up to me, honestly. What didn't add up to me was why am I doing some of everything, processing, uh, everything, 
like, yeah, I don't get, like, I get paid to originate, right? Loan originator. That just was something that always stuck out to me. Um, so I ended up leaving Caliber, ended up going to work for another retail place who promised me the world made me a branch manager, blah, blah, blah. And of course, they didn't deliver their end. I was like, all right, there still has to be a better way to do this. And that's really where I started doing research, ran into uh, the AIM group online, and honestly reached out to the AIM group, started talking to a couple of folks there. They uh, And you guys really helped me so much because you guys gave me a little PDF with everything on what to do. Uh, told me exactly how to, you know, open up a business here in Florida and everything. So I just started doing it. And then I would reach back out and be like, all right, cool. I did those steps. What's next? Right. And I mean, you guys, I I, I can't say enough of what AIM did to literally help me during that. But after doing the homework and understanding the freedom there of being able to run the business the way I want to, it's what motivated me. It wasn't even the money because I knew the expenses and everything that will come behind it, at least the way I like doing things, because I keep everything in the house, which we could get into, uh, made a big difference. And that's what drove me into it and then opened up in March of 2020. That's another short, fun story, but uh, uh, took uh, quit retail the same week that COVID hit California. And my wife was telling me, hey, have you heard of that COVID stuff? And of course I was like, yeah, it's in China. She's like, no, it hit California. She's like, are you still quitting? I was like, well, yeah, I've been, I'm like, everything's set to go. And sure enough, I quit. And the very next Monday, the whole state of Florida shut down. Uh, I was like, she's like, so you up and running? I was like, well, no, don't you know the state of Florida <laughs> shut down? <laughs> it's funny. It's funny you say that because um, when I hit California, I just landed that day in California. I think AIM was having an event there. And that's oh, wow. when it all first started to hit. And it, it got, uh, it was very interesting. Um, but at the same time, you, you are opening up your shop. This is awesome. You're opening up your shop when things are going sideways, but you stuck with it. Sideways. And again, they shut down that Monday. So I won't forget that Monday. Cause that Monday I was like, my, I expected to have everything up and running. Absolutely not. So that first week was a uh, fun, uh, trying to not get my wife to kill me and, uh, you know, and be supportive of not even being open now and just quit, you know, retail. So yeah, that was fun. Yeah, no, and and that's when all that uh, all that pricing got really weird. Where pricing got weird, a bunch of overlays. So honestly, uh, for me, I felt like it worked out because then I wasn't stuck with one place with a bunch of overlays, and I was figuring out who do I sign up with that doesn't have X Y Z overlays. So that gave me an advantage right off the bat. Where you know all these lenders are suspending deals or denying deals. I was like, nope. Uh, I signed up again through AIM. They sent me and set up obviously with UWM with Equity Prime who never put a single overlay uh during that time so they were a huge help during that time for me that's awesome that's awesome yeah no and, and a couple of things just to touch bases car car dealerships you're right if we if we think we jump through hoops and stuff they go through it's unreal one of one of our very very good friends own like one of the largest dealerships in the state of michigan and and i just look from a distance and say wow i, I don't have it that bad and then the other thing about it is, um, obviously, you know, we, we helped you open up your shop, which is, you know, that's what we're here to do, you know, but I also want to let everyone know it's not for everyone to open up their own shop. You know what I mean? You're, you're doing it and you're doing a great job of it, but for some people, they're better off just being a loan officer. And sometimes that's what we have to vet out. And obviously you were, you were a drop dead candidate for, you know, opening up your own shop. Absolutely, man. I appreciate that. 
Yeah. So, okay. So tell me, tell me, tell me about, tell me about ACE Lending Group. What, what's the dynamics there? What, do you have any other loan officers, do processors? Give me the rundown. Absolutely. So again, I think like I mentioned control of the process and figuring that out. So that was my main motivator, right? With like, how do I get control of this stuff? So the way I have it set up, it's myself and I do have three other, other originators, but then I also have in-house processing. Everything's in-house, uh, I don't own the third party processing company or anything like that. And it makes a world of a difference because they do everything. Uh, they register the files, they disclose the files. Uh, they talk to the client for the loan officers and myself. Right. And that's all obviously built into the business model. Uh, they call, they deal with absolutely everything. The only thing the loan officer has to do is go sell the loan, pre-approve the loan, get it under contract and obviously lock the rate in with the client from there. Oh that's it uh, love it love it yeah so so th then the originator itself can go originate more loans that's 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 the name of the game that's the name of the game man and that's really the idea behind it and the people that have been blessed enough to find on that processing side absolutely take ownership like if they were an originator like it was their deal on the line you know um, they go above and beyond to make it happen and that makes a huge difference because it gives the originator the confidence to not worry about it, right? Yeah. Uh, I think we've also been at, I know at the retail places I went, they, they had the processors that, oh, they'll chase your conditions. Yeah, but you're still having to get involved or the client doesn't have the confidence that that processor can truly do it. Right, no, absolutely. And it, it seems to me, it's almost like your processors are a hybrid of a, an LOA, a loan officer assistant and a processor. Correct, we actually call them loan partners for that reason. And that, oh. that yeah, we refer to them as loan partners. And it's actually interesting because I, I've uh, the back end, I guess you segment it a little bit even more is truly broken down into like a miniature factory. I have an upfront processor that she's the one that registers the file. She pre underwrites the file and reconditions it accordingly on, let's say pay stubs are, are expired or if it's a self-employed and we haven't got a PNL, whatever, she will condition that. And then the loan partner themselves, their single job is to talk to the client, not underwriter, and no one else, they talk to the client and they chase conditions and communicate with the client and the agents the whole time on what's going on. So that way they're focused on doing that, right? That upfront processor, her job is to submit a file that will come out with less than five buyer condition, our conditions entirely on every initial submission. That's how cleaning needs to go in, allowing us to deliver speed. And then mm -hmm. I have my director of ops that when it comes out of the back end. She reviews it again, will condition the loan partner to reach out to the client for whatever is still pending. And then she will submit back to the underwriter for CTC. Right. Oh, wow. And so that loan partner never has to get involved with the underwriter, really allowing them to pick up the phone every time a client calls or be on the phone talking to the client as much as she needs to or they need to, I should say. So that way, that's all they're focused on is speaking to the client and the agents when they call in. So what's the, what's the end process like? So you get a CTC, does that loan officer that, that originated a loan, are, do they get thrown back in at the end or is it just? Yep, they get one more, so that same loan partner, mm -hmm. once the CD is finalized, they email it to the client and they set up a 15 minute call with the client and the loan officer based on their schedule to go over the final CD and congratulations. So it's all, again, scheduled, programmed in, part of the process built into the CRM so no one forgets to do it as a reminder to set up that appointment. So they get to speak to the client prior to, 
Obviously, sometimes when we're balancing CDs, you know, the day off gets a little hectic on the scheduling, but it gets figured out. So that loan officer yeah, absolutely talks to the client there. And then from there, obviously, they have their own marketing campaign, their own job to follow up based on our process. But for sure. And your processes, I, I like that. I like that process quite a bit. Well, now explain something to me here, if you don't mind. Um, so with, with those processes happening, uh, obviously, you've got great people involved. You guys, I mean, you're, you're knocking it out of the park. What tech do you use throughout this entire process? Absolutely. So I'm definitely a tech nerd for sure, man. I love my tech. So our point of sale system is Flowify. Okay. And now my Flowify will not look like most people's Flowify because they do have a lot of custom fields and stuff that I've done edited. So when they're submitting that file into processing, the loan officers putting in their notes on employment, how they came up with it, all that stuff, right? Assets, if they're getting the gift on all that. So literally the processor doesn't have to reach out to the loan officer, right? The whole idea mm -hmm. is that it's just streamlined. Uh, that our LOS is lending pad, also a bunch of customizations there. But more importantly, we run our process through our CRM. And so all the processing tasks, all the reminders for the loan officers, for the processors are built right into our CRM, which is be in touch. Be in touch. I, yeah, I, 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 I haven't seen be in touch, but I've heard good things about it. It is. And just like anything, I mean, it's how you use it and do you maximize the usage of it? And it, the only reason I went with Be In Touch is because at the time that I opened up the shop, it was the only system that would integrate with LendingPad and Flowify. Uh, all okay. the other CRMs, you, we were still going to have to be uh, doing everything manually into it. It wouldn't talk to them at the time. Right. And I just wanted something that I'm like, as loan officers and as people, we get tired of putting the same thing over and over, which means we'll have more misses. So how do I prevent any double data entry at all? Right, right. No, that's awesome. So how long how long have you had these processes in place? I mean, I mean, you started three years ago, you started in 2020, you know, with Ace Lending Group, but like, how did it progress? Because it's that's a, that's a pretty in-depth process because you're also investing in people. So how did you come up with that process? Uh, well, I mean, in reality, I call it the break it method, which is my method. Okay. Explain <laughs> that to me. What's that? Yeah. Break it. I have t-shirts actually made of it, but it's basically just do it, man. Don't be scared of just doing it and messing it up and screwing it up and the consequences. Uh, so the way we did it was just that. All right. So here's the end result we need. We need to figure out how to do it. So I hired people. I make sure that every person I hire until this day, part of, I guess, mentality and leadership as well is that. I explained to them, look, I am empowering you from day one to make decisions. And as long as those decisions are in line with what we, uh, with what A stands for, which is really taking care of that client. Right. And just so you know, A stands for action, commitment, and excellence. Oh, I love it. Yeah. So as long as it's in line with that, I don't care if it costs me money. I don't care if it means I have to go, uh, you know, jump in at the end because you were trying to do the right thing and now they're upset at you you got to be empowered to make decisions, right? I need to be able to run the business. And so going through that, that break it method, I say we trialed in there, man, started tweaking, tweaking, tweaking. But I would say it took about a year and a half before we really had it dialed in on what those processes were. Uh, but it's probably taken about two years before I really have had the proper staff as well from, you know, letting people go, finding new people and stuff like that. Interesting. You know, and that's, that's, and I, I give you a lot of credit on that, Elgin, just for the mere fact that a lot of people cannot do that. They can't say make decisions. Uh, a lot of people feel that it has to go through them, especially the broker owners. And, and you can't, you, you, 
listen, that's how people grow. That's how people learn. Yeah, it, it's, it stunts your growth, right? I mean, what makes Amazon so special? It's their speed. I mean, they don't have great service. It's all computer. <laughs> right, right. There ain't no one you're talking to, but at their speed is what people are buying, right? Their convenience. So how do we deliver speed and convenience that people need to feel like whoever they're talking to can make those decisions. Otherwise, they're only going to want to talk to the loan officer or they're only going to want to talk to the owner, right? When they can't, when they don't feel like you can make a decision, they feel you can't help them. So therefore, why are they even talking to the metal person? Right, right. What would you say, what would you say was your biggest roadblock or what was your biggest hurdle when developing this process? Um, my biggest hurdle is people, man. Um, you know, getting people to understand that one day, and when I say, I mean, when I say break it, and when I say that we're, we were changing and changing, I mean, there would be days that we're like, all right, we're going to try this. And then an hour later, we realized that was a not a good idea. That was a crazy <laughs> idea. And an hour later, we're like, all right, never mind. And I'm, and I'm taking responsibility as the owner. So, hey, I know I told you guys an hour ago. Obviously, I didn't think that all the way through because I can already see that idea sucks. Let's go back. We need to think like the hardest part is having people that are willing to grow with you through those pains. A lot of people want to just go in and be a you know, plug and play. No different than we want them, right? We want to find people that can just fit right into our systems or processes. But when we're building them, that's tough. And people want to go into an employer or a place of work that is a great fit for them. But they need to understand that when they're coming into a place that's still building, they get the opportunity to be part of hopefully something special. And do they want to be part of something special and do they want to contribute? And, I love that. And that makes a, so finding those people that were willing to are willing to contribute until this day are still contributing because we're still tweaking, right? Um, to, as I say, compete with what's going on in today's world, right? We're still tweaking, we're still making changes and we're still improving. Well, what do we do to make that happen, right? How do we do that? And basically not stay stale. Right. Yeah, because you got to, if, it, if it's just a process and it, and it never changes, I mean, people get bored with it. I mean, I get, I get bored at times. So I always have to switch something up, you know, and I switch, you know, it could have been working fine, but maybe I just want something a little better. So, so I switch it up, but let, let's, let's hop on. You've been talking a lot about people. And, and, and in my opinion, when it boils down to everything, not only everything in business, but everything in this world, you know, if you take care of people, it, it's, it's, it's kind of like that abundance mindset and, you know, you get to move forward and, and you, you get more value. So talking about training, leadership, and mindset, let's talk about you first. What is your work ethic and what's your mindset? Well, uh, my work ethic, uh, uh, you know, very, well, I say very, I feel like very little people will outwork me, but I'm sure a lot of people say that, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but I can, I assure you, especially when I first opened up the business, I mean, until they say I don't forget because at the beginning I, I opened up that business with just myself it's not like I had money to hire people right away um and that required being up at three in the morning and going to bed at midnight for yeah. about a year for about a year uh, wow yeah and so so work work ethic uh you know I mean is there but more importantly on that mindset part with the work ethic is I don't ask anyone to do anything that a I'm not already doing and it doesn't mean have to again part of being able to grow is that you have to let things grow right and, and they have and you have to understand where what you know job things you need to do or tasks you need to do or items you need to do that 
bring the most revenue to the business. So again, having those people that understand that as well is important because they need to understand, hey, why in the world are you in my lane? Which uh, at times they're like, hey, Elgin, why are you in the pro why are you looking at where deals are in process? Because they can tell and they will tell them find loans, right? Uh, so right. yeah, but absolutely on the work ethic part, I mean, it is just get it done, but getting it done in a very efficient way. And that's something I've been honestly marking this industry as I've been working towards it for the last year I've been blessed enough to now only work around 48, 50 hours a week and take most weekends off. But that took a long time to get there and not just get there because of the business being there, but as a mindset that it's okay not to work on the weekends as a mortgage originator and that production can still happen and that you can still do plenty of business without having to be on call 24 seven. Yeah. Um, and I, I agree with that because there's a lot of different things out there, you know, where people say, you know, we have all these things like always answer your phone. We have people that say it's okay not to work on the way. It's like, there's a balance in my eyes. You know what I mean? It's like, you want to be there, but at the same time, if you're with your family on the weekend, a simple, hello, hey, listen, I'm with my family. Can I call you back in two hours? You know what I mean? It is is fine. Yeah, absolutely. And I think if you find the right business partners, real estate agents, or depending on your business, or even clients, they understand it, right? So for example, like, my phone number, it's one phone number where they call me and reaches out to the whole office, even on the weekends. And it's from Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. After 6 p.m., only text messages. And everything okay. gets done because I don't get them. The text messages, I get them, but so does the rest of my staff. And so whoever's available will reply. So it's a team effort, right? And so we all still get the full weekend off. We still all get to enjoy our things and do what we need to. And rarely are we taking calls after six o'clock because we've set that. And even with the real estate agents at this point, you know, our partners, like they know what's going on and they respect it because they appreciate how much we do get accomplished Monday through Friday, like Monday sure. through Friday, just like they see how much gets done and not just that, how much we over communicate. So they know every single step of the way they're never, so they're never calling us. Hey, did you talk to that client? Did that happen? Did this happen? It, it doesn't exist. They know everything before. It needs to happen. So then by the time the weekend comes, we're already reaching out Thursday and Friday. Hey, are, do you have any homes you're showing? Right. We already pre-approved your client. Who are you showing homes to? So we can run numbers and everything prior to the weekend. Oh, I love that. I love that. And so it, the amount of, I guess, things that we have to do on a Saturday, Sunday, maybe one or two the whole weekend. And therefore I feel like it's not work. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Versus you're on call the whole weekend because you weren't proactive during the week. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. Absolutely. So you're, I mean, you're, you kind of, uh, well, I'm not going to say kind of, you are, you're a natural born leader. Like, how do you think you got to that point and how do you exude that to your staff? How did I get to this point? I mean, life. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> yeah, Mark, uh, I'm from Costa Rica. Got here when I was a, uh, five, six years old to the US uh, and just watching my parents go through everything that they've gone through and ourselves, you know, um, you know, without getting, I guess, too deep into it and money, uh, yeah, emotional on it. Just life in general made me grow up quick. Mm -hmm. I started working when I was 14 to help offset expense, expenses at home. I moved out when I was 17. Uh, I was working, like I said, when I was 14, uh, I was like right out of high school, uh, yeah, I was out living on my own already and had my own apartment and just life made me grow up really, really quickly with the circumstances I was in and mature really quickly. And then being in the auto industry, um, 
figuring out how to be a 18 year old kid um, and get a 40 year old man or woman to respect you and listen to you means you have to figure out how to be a leader of some sort because they're never going to listen to you otherwise. Why would they listen to someone that's 20 years younger than them? Right. right? Why would a client that's buying a vehicle when you're 18, 20 years old, buy it from you and not buy it from someone that's been doing it 10, 15 years, and they have the confidence that you're giving them the proper financial advice. Uh, and all that forced, forced it upon me that I had to figure it out or I wasn't going to succeed. And if I wasn't going to succeed, I'd be homeless. Uh, it's the end of it. So yeah, absolutely. So that's kind of what got me there to figure that out. And then really from there, once I uh, left the car business, man, a lot of self-help, and I say self-help books, audiobooks, training. I'm in a, I got a, I'm in a coaching club for running my business for loan officers, right? Uh, that is all based on mindset and just every single day till this day, I'm listening to audiobooks. till this day I'm reading. And till this day, I have to remind myself, you know, of things to make sure that that mindset's there. That's how I've gotten there. It definitely isn't an easy road. I'm definitely not done growing, right? Uh, and want to grow even more now because with, you know, wife and kids, you want to keep growing and be that example for them. Uh, and to me, that's priority. And then the same, uh, say the same temperament you see from me, or I say calmness, hopefully, that you see from me, it's the same one I have 24-7. It's not a show. It, it, it's not a show. And you can tell, you can ask my staff, but they, they, they're like, how do you do it? My LOs ask me, how do I do it? They, they could have a file going sideways. I could have a file going sideways. There could be five files, as we all call it, on fire. And the same attitude is the same approach I'm going to have towards everyone I talk to, whether it's the agent, whether it's my employees, whether it's my loan officer, it doesn't matter because the calmer I am, the calmer I can get them back to, which means now we can actually get to a solution quicker. So it is so important that we keep our cool at all times, I believe, as leaders, no matter what it is, man. I mean, if I was in a war zone, I wouldn't want a leader that's freaking out that they're about to get shot or bombed. I need someone that's cool and collective, even though everything behind us is exploding. <laughs> right, right. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, that that is absolutely how I go about it every single day is with the same same attitude and vice versa. Just so you know, as I say, yeah, you won't see the nighter side. Same token. Um, my son pointed out more than anything. He's like, how come I never see you super happy? And it's because I'm like, yeah, but do you ever see me super sad or mad or upset? He's like, well, no, like exactly. I'm like, so you just never see the extreme of either. Right. You know what I mean? So, yep. it, so yeah, absolutely. That's how I go about it. And I've noticed that People learn to respect it, but more importantly, they're willing to listen when you're talking to them, when they know that they could have screwed up everything and you're just not going to blow up on them, yell at them, freak out, or have an emotional breakdown because they made a mistake because they're human. Whether it was intentional or not intentional, it doesn't solve a single thing, man. Right. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. And, and people, people you know, react to how people act. And it's very, very important because, you know, like, yeah, we, I, I, I have employees or team members mess up and it, why lose it on them? You know, it, it, it was one thing. I mean, and unless it was absolutely detrimental to life, you know, it's like, it, it's okay. We're just going to get even then, What's going to be detrimental to life that's regarding business, right? We can't kill someone doing mortgages. Like, right. 
it's not life or death. It really isn't. Could they be homeless? Yeah, but right. But that could typically get resolved somehow if handled properly, unless there was a big mistake. And even then it could be again, handled. Right. Um, so I think that makes a huge difference on all of that. And part of that mindset, to be clear, is that when I opened up the business, I wrote things down that I really enjoyed at the place I used to work at and the places I've worked at. And I wrote all the things I didn't like. And obviously I never enjoyed when I was scared to talk to a manager because I knew that they were going to just yell at me first. That was never a great experience. Or I didn't, you know, I didn't want to work for someone that I just didn't enjoy talking to for that matter. <laughs> right, right. You know, so like, so like something like that simple with something I wrote down that I wanted to make sure that the environment I created and the culture I created, that didn't exist. So when hiring people, I made sure that I'm the first one to make sure that they're all comfortable here. And I, one of the things I say is they don't work for me. I work for them. Love it. Right. And then the second part behind that is I wanted to make sure and I make sure of every single day that they all get along, believe it or not, just like a family, because again, same thing. If there's one bad egg, it messes up the whole culture and all that effort and work you put in could just blow it up over just one, one person. Yeah, one, one, one bad apple. Yep. Yeah, absolutely, man. So all that, all that is uh, how I go about it and handle it. So hopefully that sum, <laughs> summed it up. No, that's awesome. And I, I, I love to hear that backstory of your, of your childhood. I mean, that's, that's kind of who, you know, that's where it all starts. And, you know, my childhood was not even close to yours, but it was in a different mindset. And, you know, and I think it made me who I am today. So no, I, I, I really appreciate you sharing that with us. Absolutely, man. Yeah. So Algin, listen, I'm going to let you get out of here. We're, we're about at time. Um, I just want to thank you for your time. I, this was a very, very enjoyable podcast. Uh, getting, getting to know you better. Uh, I, I, I get selfish about these podcasts because after I'm done with them, I, I get excited about my business and I'm always trying to tweak something around. And most of my staff is like, will you stop doing these podcasts? You know, because there's always a change coming, but it, it's all good. But I really appreciate your time today. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Mark. No problem. So brokers, if you want to get caught up on all of our past podcast episodes, please head over to aimgroup.com backslash broker to broker. You can also listen to all the broker to broker podcast episodes on iTunes, Spotify, Google podcasts, wherever else you can download podcasts. Please rate our podcast, spread the word, leave a review. It helps us get the pod podcast out there and spread the word that brokers are better. And Elgin, you're one of those, man. I really appreciate your time today. Thanks again. Attention brokers. Step up to the plate and knock it out of the park at the largest annual gathering of independent mortgage professionals in the country, AIM's sixth annual Fuse National Conference. Katie Sweeney, Matt Ishbia, Renee Rodriguez, Dale Vermillion, and Todd Duncan round out an all-star lineup of mortgage masters. Network with thousands of MVP wholesale mortgage professionals and the industry's top brass lenders and vendors. Gear up your team and your business with electrifying keynote speakers, hands-on summit sessions, major mortgage news and historic announcements. Get the lowest price of the season and save $200. Get your tickets at aimgroup.com backslash events. That is aimgroup.com backslash events.